You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 323 of Podcateers. In this episode, we welcome back our pal Sam Carter, who is a former cast member and head of Carter Creative. We jump into the world of parades and we talk about our favorites, things that we didn't like, his experiences with the pitch process, and more. As always, it's fun talking with Sam, so I'm happy that we were able to snag a little bit of time with him again. If you want to connect with him, you can check out the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com slash 323. You'll find his social media links, uh, a video from his YouTube channel. If you want to subscribe, make sure to check that out. His channel is Cartar Sauce Theater. Uh, a link to his page will also be in the blog post for this episode. Cartar Sauce is also his Twitter and his Instagram handle, so make sure to follow him. And if you want more info about his company and the services he provides, you can go to samcarterart.com. Timbo Willie is getting ready to virtually participate in this year's Walk for Hope in support of women's cancers. More information will be available soon at teamboatwilly.com. So please stay tuned on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter for when that information is available. We're also waiting for more info on this year's Chalk Walk. So stay tuned for that. We're still committed to helping out um, just like we have in the past. And we're setting a pretty modest goal this time around because we truly feel that every little bit helps. So if you're interested in becoming part of the team and helping us fundraise, send us a DM and we'll be happy to answer any questions as best as we can. Uh, FGP Squad, our next happy hour call is rapidly approaching. Please make sure to log on to Patreon for updates. Uh, If you're wondering what the FGP Squad is, they are a group of listeners just like you whose generosity helps us produce these episodes of Podcateers through their support via Patreon. If you would like more info about becoming part of the FGP Squad family and getting some of the additional perks that come along with being part of the FGP Squad, like these monthly calls, for instance, you can find more info at podcateers.com slash FGP. And of course, to all of the members of the FGP Squad, we'd like to send a huge thank you for your continued support. Before we jump into the episode, remember that if there's anything you hear that you want to discuss with us, you can join the conversation by joining us over on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Just search for Podcateers. Once again, I'd like to thank Sam for taking the time to join us this week. So let's do this. Here is episode 323 of Podcateers. like your lid dude i don't have a black spire anything right now actually i love it i love That's it too man dope. i mean i have Thanks. to rep the brand so you know pocket oh, tears yeah. i got the the team boat willie shirt going Oh, that's great. That's a really clean yeah. logo. Thanks, man. And I know clean logos. Yeah, we have a couple of Team Boat Willie things coming up soon. So, you know, I have to start pressing it out there. We have uh, a cancer walk that we're doing. Hopefully we get a chance to do chalk walk virtually as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's tough. Hope so. But, I mean, with all this stuff going on right now, it's, it's hard to say when we're going to be back in the parks. And I started thinking about you recently because there's there's been all this talk about what it's going to take to get back into the parks you know how are people going to feel comfortable uh recently we had an opportunity to talk to josh shipley who's a former imagineer he was there for 21 years 
And he mentioned that Eddie Soto had been coming up with these ideas about how to get people back into the park. And I started researching it. I'm like, oh, my God, that I, I can see where he's coming from with all of this. Right. One of the biggest things. Yeah, I need to listen to that. It's crazy. I, you know what? I want to reach out to him and see if he'll actually do the podcast, because uh, I mean, everything that he's talking about is super interesting he was there for a really long time he was there during like the eisner era obviously of disney so uh, i'd love to hear you know what he has to share and talk about his career and stuff but uh, i started thinking about one of the biggest things that they they want to change was obviously there was going to be no parades there was going to be no fireworks and stuff like that and i started thinking about parades i was like man Sam loves parades. Like we should talk about <laughs> parades and we should talk about the, the bad parades and the good parades and just the, the psychology behind parades. And uh, I'm lucky that you had an opportunity to sit down and talk today. So one, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thank you. It's my favorite subject. It's always good to talk to you, especially about this kind of stuff. Yeah. So if you guys are new to the podcast and this is your first introduction to Sam, Sam is the head of Carter Creative. Uh, we've had the pleasure of having Sam on the podcast before. Uh, he was a cast member for about 17 years before taking on the creative director role at USC. Uh, he's put together some amazing displays and events for companies that include Universal, Six Flags, the Magic Castle, the Winchester Mystery House, the Queen Mary. Like, whew, if you've been to the Queen Mary during Christmas, that's Sam right there that's all sam so again thanks for coming back on man uh always a pleasure always fun talking to you awesome you're too kind so uh let's jump right into this please parades man um i love parades uh i have i mean obviously i've never been outside of disneyland i talk about how i experience all my parades uh via youtube and I've been super happy with the fact that you've been taking all these old VHS tapes and putting them up on YouTube for people to watch because there's stuff on there that I never even heard of. So one, <laughs> were those all your tapes or did people donate them? Like where are all these tapes coming it's, from? It's about 90% mine. I was always carrying around a video camera recording stuff. And even uh, before that, there's some, there's some videos in there from 1983 they go way back to, a, you know, videotaping a parade. And it's kind of neat because it's, here's me and my cousin sitting on the parade route, watching a parade go by. And my uncle, he was cool enough to not only videotape the parade, but videotape us sitting across from him on, on Main Street. So it's, here's me and my cousin watching a parade go by as little kids. And ironically enough, you know, after I got a job in the parade department in 1995, a couple years later, I got my cousin a job in the parade department, and she's still with parades. So, um, yeah, we, we've always had it in our lives. It's always been something that we wanted to watch and just kind of just take a seat on Main Street, watch something go by, then, you know, go on with the rest of your day. But I remember when I would go as high, in high school to check out the parade. I'd go with friends, and I'll be like, hey, let's go watch Electrical Parade. And they're like, are you crazy? We're going to go on Space Mountain. And I'm just like, What? <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to see the parade? Like, I don't, I didn't understand that. And then I, I realized then I'm like, you know what? It's not everyone's cup of tea. That's fine. There's a lot of different things to do at Disneyland. So, uh, and watching a parade is definitely not for everyone. But what I always yeah. liked was the floats. But it's like the only thing at Disneyland that felt fresh and alive and different, right? Because you have the attractions. Hopefully, they're there for like you know decades. But then you have a parade that comes and goes. It's, it's not going to be there forever. And as, as an artist and as a designer, even as a kid, I was just fascinated by 
wow, someone drew this and then someone built it and there's people inside driving it and there's costumes and like there's themes and there's units. How does this all work? Or how, how does the audio work? How, how are these audio zones going down and, and, and remembering or knowing where the, each parade floats at? And who's that person walking with the float? Who are they talking to? You know, I was, as a kid, I was watching all this stuff. And um, what's really funny, too, is uh, I must have been like maybe eight or nine. And obviously being into the parade department or being in the parades, I, I, I knew there was going to be an audition coming up for the Christmas parade because I don't know if you knew, but they had kids in some of the old school parades. And so I auditioned to be in the Christmas parade and I got cut fast. I, I don't I don't dance. I can't do anything uh. like that. He was a kid. I was kind of just I just tried it. and I was like, next. But I didn't even care because that was my first time backstage at Disneyland. Next to all those floats, I would see like seeing electrical parade floats with the lights off in the daytime, sitting backstage. Like yeah. my little brain was just exploding, and um, it was it was no big deal that I didn't get it. Yeah, I was bummed at the time. What's really funny about that is when I um, started working there as a float driver, I became good buddies with some of these these dudes, and one of them or two of them actually were kids in the Christmas parade back in the day, and they went to that same audition oh, that I wow. went to. And and they got cast as uh, I think Michael Banks and like maybe some of the Lost Boys and I didn't get it and that's fine, but they got it and it's so funny that one of those guys turned out to be my best man at my wedding. Do you know what I mean? So it's just weird if I really paid attention, oh, wow. I would have noticed that that guy who I don't know yet is going to be my best man at my wedding. It's weird things like that. Uh, coincidentally, I realized too at my wedding when um, I, I I said something about. Um, you know, we all get teased for loving Disneyland a little bit too much. Like, you know, we're borderline obsessed with this place, and I'll admit it. We love it, right? Borderline? Uh, yeah. Well, we know what side <laughs> of the border we're on. But I realized that 90%, 90% of the room, not counting family, are people I know from Disneyland. That's why I love Disneyland. The most majority yeah. of people in this room are, I've met because of that place. So maybe don't make fun of me for liking a place because that's how I got all these friendships, right? And it, it's a special place, obviously. But yeah, that's, you know, how I started with parades, just kind of watching them and then driving floats and working my way up to being um, in charge of the drivers for the block party bash. And then uh, from that parade, I went to the art department and was there for seven years. And then I left, left working Disney as a full-timer, but that's when I started being a Wonderground artist. So technically, I've been doing something with the Walt Disney Company since 1995. Wow. That's a long time, man. Crazy. And having the ability yeah, to old. go back and watch these videos of yourself back from 1983, I mean, it has to blow your mind. I mean, have you shown them to your kids yet? Do they do they know that it's you watching these parades? Kinda, but you know, um, what's funny is I had I had someone that would watch the Christmas parade that I was actually performing in at this time as one of the characters, and my kids are four, and they're like seeing the genie do his thing and they're just like oh yeah it's a genie it's a genie and I'm like yep it is a genie like I can't <laughs> break that yeah. wall right I'm not like I'm not saying that oh look at daddy but at the same time it's like yeah look at genie and he's like why are you why is this so many videotapes of genie like kind of like you're obsessed dad right I'm like <laughs> I'll tell you when you're older right that's why it's so cool like later you'll know it's like, like hey, that one time there. I was Santa Claus and my kids will oh, never rooms. know but it's cool, and, and they, they love parades just as much as I do because, you know, and the same thing, I have, I have videotapes of my kids watching the parade. You know, they were too young to, yeah. for me to sit across the parade route yet because they would probably run out in the middle of a float and try to, to, try to get me. But um, so, like, you know, ironically, 
I, I, um, I knew that I really wanted to see Magic Happens earlier this year. I think it was like February, some random Friday, and I just said, hey, I'm, I'm taking the twins to see the parade. It's, just, it's kind of fairly new. And I went that Friday, and then the next week it shut down. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm that, glad I saw that brand new parade that only ran for a couple weeks. The day after it shut down or the park shut down was the day we had planned to go to the park to watch it together because my wife and kids had actually seen it the weekend before but the weekend everything closed was the weekend i was going to go with them to finally watch it and then they shut down and my wife says well it's on my phone do you want to watch it on my phone i was like no i want to watch it in person i don't even want to watch it there's a coco unit there's a moana unit i know awesome it's okay so i finally gave in and i kind of watched it right and mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's gorgeous. I can't. It's, fight. it's and the music is so catchy. It is. I I, I do want to get into the music and all of that, um, but I don't want to mm-hmm. veer too far. We'll de- we'll definitely get into magic happens. But uh, let's kind of start at the beginning here. Uh, having some experience working in parades and being backstage and and being a part of that life, what does it take? For somebody to say, you know what, let's make a new parade. Where does that idea originate? How do you even present it? And how does it get greenlit? That is a good question. And and the answer, I think, has evolved over the years. Um, especially with Disneyland, say, in the 80s. It really was mom and pops back then. There was an entertainment group that would just say, you want to do State Fair? You want to do Circus Fantasy? You want to do, like, let's do something like Blast of the Past? And they were trying to be strategic and try to get guests into the park during like the off season to try to because you know they actually had off seasons then we up until you know the parks closed it felt like it was like just busy season year round especially Mm -hmm. during uh, halloween and christmas um so they would they would think about that way and just kind of do something fun in the off season to get people in um but then later as it became more corporate and way more structured and like the whole one disney thing is like and I, I learned this, too, because I actually did pitch a parade. And it was partly what got me into my role as then an art specialist. Um, I, was in, I was in the parade department, and we were working block party bash. And um, I, I made friends with the art director of block party and the producer of block party and all those folks and the choreographer. And I mentioned to Marilyn Magnus, who is uh, huge in the Disneyland Entertainment area, um, she was actually one of the original um, hoopty Doo review Performer, so she goes way back with the company. She also did the Main Street Hop for Blast to the Past, so um, she knows her stuff. She's been around, and she was super awesome and just a, a mentor for me. I said, "Hey, Marilyn, I um, I pit, I designed a parade for California Adventure, and I was I wanted to show it to her." She's like, "Oh, don't don't show me. I'm gonna set something up, and you could come pitch it to me in in TDA." And I'm just like, "Are you serious?" She's like, "Yeah, nice. um, I want to see about it, but let's, let's hear about it properly, not just on the fly, right?" And then so I'm all nervous about it. And I had about 10 pieces of concept art that I made myself. And I had a whole idea to the parade itself. And um, when I got there, she had a couple of choreographers, a couple other people like a producer and her, a show director. And I was up there. So I was probably like, I don't know, 27. And, um, and I'm pitching this parade idea. And the idea was, it was, this is California Adventure 2005. And we're thinking, I'm like, okay, it's, we're way overdue for a brand new electrical parade, right? We've had electrical parade. It's come back enough times. We're kind of tired of it a little bit because it kind of seemed like a panic button. Like, DCA is not popular. What do we do? Just bring back electrical parade. 
Um, so I came up with this idea that was every Disney movie that, re that revolves around the ocean will do like an, a brand new electrical parade, call it Disney's Light Odyssey, S-E-A, because it's very Tokyo Disney Sea-ish. Um, so Lulu and Stitch, Nemo, Little Mermaid, there's like an endless list of ocean-themed um, units that you could have. You could have Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, the Nautilus, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So there's, there's plenty, even more now with Moana. It was just, it's still a cool idea. So I, I, I thought I did an okay job talking about it, saying why it would be fun, and then I showed artwork of it. And I still think the artwork holds up. So she, she gets up when I'm done, and she says, she's like, you know what, this is one of the best parades that we could ever have out there. It's great. I know it'll be a hit. People will be so excited to line the entire parade route, but it will never happen. And I'm just like, excuse me? <laughs> like, why would it never happen, right? And so she turns around on the dry erase board and she says, she writes these things down. She wrote down Star Wars, High School Musical, Fairies, and Cars. Mm -hmm. She says, if it's not one of these four things which has been decided by the company, the company would actually be pretty upset if we wasted any resources trying to come up with something new that wasn't one of these four things. Because th this is what's important to the company and this is what we have to synergize. Wow. And so if we could find a way to make a Star Wars parade or a High School Musical parade or whatever, if you could find a way, great, they want to see it. But if it's not, they're not even going to look at it. And that was really telling too. And I, I even thought about that later in my career of like things that I'd work on. I'm like, well, is this one of the company's main goals? Like, let's not waste our time on it. Let's, let's figure out a way to make what their initiatives are, make them awesome and do that. So I would say, and that was probably, you know, like I said, 2005, 2006. And I would think it's still like that. They'd have their main core um, IPs that they really want to kind of push. And you could tell when you go to the parks, Yeah, there's going to be a lot of, Marvel stuff right now. There's going to be a lot of Jedi stuff, you know, um, and it's still kind of like that. And I think those uh, change out over time. But what, what was really cool about that was she said, have you ever seen High School Musical? And I'm like, no. She's like, well, why don't you borrow a copy? She like, gave me a copy to borrow. And I need to pitch later this week a High School Musical cavalcade for California Adventure. And I'm pitching it later this week and I need artwork. Can you draw up what you think would, that would look like? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. So I stayed up all night. I watched the movie a bunch of times. Got those songs all stuck in my head. Like everything's an earworm with that movie. But I came up with this little float idea of like what it would look like. And it used an existing asset that we had. And um, what's great about it, she took that artwork and pitched it and got greenlit. And then it got handed, once it got greenlit, it got handed off to Brad Kay. And Brad Kay drew it and it's, loosely inspired what but what I did for the pitch so it's cool so then you see that parade float out there and it was really based off that drawing that I did that one night too so that's how I got my art gig like a month later they had there was an opening and I got it that so is that's awesome that's pretty awesome that's yeah. awesome parades I don't feel are one of those things that the company is constantly thinking how do we refresh this how do we make it you know they try to get as much life out of it as possible because they're not cheap right they're not mm -hmm inexpensive in any way to produce or to maintain, uh, especially when you have to consider how maintaining something like the Main Street Electrical Parade, you know, how much it costs the company to maintain it. It's such old technology. Some of the floats obviously falling apart by now. It's it's since the They're 70s. Ancient. So, yeah, I mean, it's 
it's got to be something that they want to constantly move away from and they want to bring new stuff in. Uh, how how often do you know or did you see stuff getting recycled? Because I know that there's floats that have been used in one parade and they make it into another under new set dressings. <laughs> like how often did that happen? Well, with, before I go into that, it's a mindset of like they're going to pour a lot of money into a parade, right? And the parade might run for five years. You don't know. You know, some, maybe even longer. Um, and it seems like all the really good ones don't run that long because the really good ones are really expensive. And so maybe rather than cutting the, ca- the cast down or, you know, removing a unit, which has happened for some parades, just to keep it going, well, let's just get rid of the Ratatouille float from Pixar Play Parade. Um, or sort of stuff like that, right? Um, you look at the Oriental Land Company in Japan. They will spend the same amount that we spend on parades but their parade might last three months, and that's it. Where here we, we are spending all this money in a parade that's going to last years, maybe even a decade. How long did some of like Soundational was around for like eight years, not nine years maybe? Yeah, and um, I loved every minute sounds, of it. Me too. Luckily, Soundational was amazing. But there's been parades that were terrible that lasted five years, and you're just like, why? Why are we doing this to ourselves? You know, like this is embarrassing. But with Tokyo, it's like just a different mindset that they, they know that they're going to get their return on investment because they're going to come back and see the parades. Like they'll have a huge parade for Easter or Halloween, and it's literally the size of our 50th anniversary parade. But wow. that's just a parade for Halloween. Um, and it's, it's mind-blowing. But um, so fun fact about, say, that parade in 1983 that we watched. There's floats in that parade that at least survived until this past decade, if, 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 if not still being used. What? Because there are these old float units. In fact, no, there is. It's, it's true. So I would say, that, for example, the, um, the Christmas, the princess Christmas ball float from Christmas Fantasy. Yeah. That yeah. is a Fantasia float, the base unit, the stairs that go up to it. It doesn't have the gazebo on it yet. Ah, but that float yeah. unit is in Flights of Fantasy from 1983. So these floats... <laughs> the chassis, they get a lot of use. So over the years, you might have some floats that have these old frames with wheels on it, right? But then they'll scrape everything off every once in a while and rebuild something. But you could always kind of tell that there's a stairs in the front and the back and you yeah. recognize it. Um, like the, let me think. There's, there's the, some of the floats are really kind of cool that they reuse. Like there's a, um, there's a big goofy dinosaur float from the world according to Goofy Parade, the Goofosaurus. Well, you really can't tell unless you look at it, but the base of that, it looks like a, a cylinder with a curved front and back. That's Pride Rock from Lion King. Like, because you know it looks like a chassis that could hold a really oh, big, heavy float. Man. Um, and then, obviously, there's other ones, a lot of them from the world according to Goofy Parade, where, like, the opening unit in that is Ludwig von Drake, and he's on top of the stack of books. Well, that's from 1992 or 91, and that's still the Christmas fantasy opening float. There's things like that that it's kind of cool to recognize it. That is awesome. You're like blowing my mind right now because I know for a fact there's been a couple that I've caught, you know, where, like you said, you know, they're just recognizable. Like, yeah, it's a certain staircase. You recognize that. The shape of it. Yeah. But I didn't realize that it happened that often. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, there could be a parade like Hercules that comes in and Hercules got brand new float units, right? Brand new high tech. Sometimes they're they're they actually order like aircraft carrier type of vehicles and they could build a frame around that and that becomes the float chassis. 
Um, light magic was that. I think light magic was like aircraft carrier tugs that was turned into a light magic float. Oh, wow. And the, after light magic came and went, which is a whole story there, oh, um, yeah. they would reuse just those chassis for a smaller float, the tug portion of it. Like the Prey to Stars finale float was a reused light magic drive unit. So, and, and, and they realize that they, they know they're going to reuse them. And it's almost like a, um, it was like a cool toy that you would just plug in different pieces and make different shapes out of it. Wow. I assume that the next step is obviously going to be building modular units where you can remove and append whatever shapes you want so that it conforms to, you know, what you want to build. Like, mm-hmm. You know, basically like an erector set or like Lego mm-hmm. blocks, you know, like I, oh, totally. I, I would think that that's probably the next phase of, of those units. Yeah. And it, it, it depends, too, because like say for Soundsational, if I think when they had th- those units and a lot of the artwork that was placed on top of it, it's that really cool Kevin and Jody look of like designed stylized characters that are placed on top of that. Well, you could see what the float shape looks like underneath it. And if they mm-hmm. ever had to, you you could remove it, which they have by now, um, and then put the new theme on it. But at the same time, as a creative, you don't want that to necessarily dictate what the float's going to look like. You want to actually start right. with a fresh slate and draw it, and then hopefully find one that's appropriate for it. Because if you think, well, I have to use this shape to float, I, I think it kind of limits you creatively. And I think they know that too. But yeah, um, yeah so it's done in that order. That's cool. So what do you think makes a good parade? What are the elements that you would say, like, yeah, this is going to run for five to ten years? Well, it depends. But I think it would start with the music, for sure. Because, you know, when we start talking about what favorite parades, Lion King celebration has to be, like, at the top of that list. And what was great about that was, A, it's the music, and then, B, it's the characters you want to see. And there's a showstop. And sometimes a showstop isn't necessarily good, a good thing, right? You hope that the showstop is something that you want to see. Uh, and with Lion King, you know, you have this these cool floats kind of roll in. They stop and do like a really touching circle of life. You know, people, guests would cry yeah. on, on a daily basis at that show. Um, so there, there's like that kind of thing. But, I, but that was in the 90s when they did like a different parade for each movie. You know, starting with, they did a, an Aladdin parade. They did a Lion King parade. They had the Mulan parade. They did the Hercules parade. So... They, were, they almost did a Tarzan parade, but we got the treehouse instead, which is kind of like, oh, I don't know. I, I, re- I really would have liked to see the Tarzan parade, but at the same time, I think we would have lost the, the treehouse if yeah. they didn't plug in that IP to it. So, okay, at least Tarzan saved the treehouse, and that's, you could thank Tony Baxter for that for sure. But um, We would have seen a bunch of inline skaters in that parade, I'm pretty certain. Oh, like the Animal Kingdom show yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I just uploaded that video too, and it's it's very David Hasselhoffy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to look. I'm gonna have to watch yeah. that. Um, but uh, let's see. So that was the '90s. But then later, when with you know every parade since, it's been like this eclectic group of units, usually with Little Mermaid, usually with like the the must-have characters, usually with like a grouping of princesses. But it, it needs like a different theme, and it's they try to mix it up. But like to answer your question, I'd say a good parade would have awesome music. And a, a ton of characters and hopefully a ton of performers to go with it. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned, uh, I mean, everything you said was interesting. But that showstop that you mentioned, I got to tell you, in general, I'm not a fan of that. 
I think that it's not it's not always good. Sometimes it's it feels forced. Yeah, and light magic, I'm gonna say, is probably the best example of why it should never have happened. Right? Because with the Lion yeah. King, at least you had that element of there was the whole circle of life thing, and then you hear Mufasa and you know, there's this whole ceremony that happens. And like you said, it's a really touching moment that people are connecting with because they remember it from the film. But mm-hmm. with light magic there was all these fairies and it was dark and you can barely see the performers. And then it stopped for not a minute or two to perform Circle of Life. It was the whole freaking parade that stopped. And it was just way too long for it to be like, let me put it this way. I think I said this when we talked about light magic last year. That should never have been a parade. That should have been in the fantasy fair theater and just been a stage show. It would have been really popular. Yeah. you know, honestly, we could do a whole show on light magic, <laughs> and I still think to this day it's 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 one of the best Disney music scores from any parade ever. It still holds up. If you go back and listen to oh, it. Oh, the music is great. That's what bothers me about it. Well, I know. Um, I feel you. It was a rough ride, for sure, and that's one of the parades that I worked. But to be honest, it was probably the one of the most fun summers I've ever had working at Disneyland. It was like the most overtime that I made cause, because of like just... Light magic issues. We had to do a bring back every day, so I was getting over a killer amount of overtime every day, and just the group was so fun. And we knew it wasn't being well received, but it, it really grew on us. And so I was completely biased. But there's there's a couple nails that put that in a coffin that really never even let it have a chance. First of all, the year before that, you're going to advertise that Electrical Parade is the best thing in the world, but it's going away. Like, you're going to, like, remind everyone how much they love Electrical Parade. You're going to pull at their heartstrings. You're going to rip it away from them. And then you're going to give them something completely different and expect it to be, like, happy and, like, people to be stoked about it. No. And it's funny that you mentioned that the show stop was so long. It really wasn't. We, we tried to communicate that it wasn't a parade, that it was, like, a show. And then he came up with that cute word, streetacular. No one got it because nothing about it was about watching travel to get in the position because it was black. It wasn't lit. It was big, moving, rolling stage. In fact, they weren't floats. They were rolling stages. They got the stage, the, the floats out there in the darkness. And then the wow factor was, where did all these people come from? There was things like that, right? But it was, it was, it was an odd one, and they, they made questionable decisions. And it's interesting, too, because some, some of those videos that I uploaded onto YouTube... I have light magic the final day and everything's finally working. You know, the, the media, the um, annual pass holder preview, it should have been canceled and it wasn't. They shouldn't have paid for it in the first place. Yeah. So now you have, it's not a rehearsal. It's not even finished yet. People are paying for it. Half of it's not working. And the choreography just got changed recently before. So no one knew what they were doing. Yeah. Well, cancel it. Cancel it. And they didn't cancel it. And then they paid, you know, so there's a lot of issues that happened with that. But by the end of the summer, when the, everything was working, the choreography was solid. They removed those creepy-looking masks on all the pixies. Like, they hired hundreds of the most beautiful dancers in Orange County, and they put these creepy masks on. Mm-hmm. Like, Not a fan, dude. I know. I don't blame you. So they, once the, they lost the masks and they never knew the choreography, it was just it was a little bit better, right? And if, if that show was pre- what premiered at that thing... I think it would have had a little bit of a shot. And if they were able to communicate that it's not a parade, 
they got to manage expectations and they really didn't. Yeah. But like I was saying on the video that I uploaded, the crowd is going nuts for it. It just looks like a way better show. So I think, I do think it gets a little bit of, of a bad rap. And, you know, if I, if I got five cents every time I heard some comedian say light tragic, I'm like, ah, that's hysterical. Right. But like, it's, I don't know, I, I think there's a, there's a lot to talk about there and it's so easy to say that it was, it was a disaster and yeah, maybe it was, but there's elements of it that were actually pretty good. Guest control was a nightmare. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things that had against it. Well, see, that's part of why one of the reasons I like talking to you is because hearing these stories from backstage is what gives me more context, right? Because as far as what's available, all you read or all you hear are all these tragic stories of how it this and how it didn't this and how it didn't that. Mm -hmm. And as much as they advertised it as a spiritual successor to the Main Street Electrical Parade, it was not a parade. And like you said, the street-tacular that they no. were putting on, you know, people were expecting to see this one thing and then they see this thing that's totally, totally different than what they were used to. It doesn't even have... Um, and, and this is why there's such a stark contrast in my head because the, the Celtic music that's throughout Light Magic, I love that soundtrack. But because of mm -hmm. the problems, like I've only seen videos of the opening day performances, the, the preview, and because I never saw it towards the end of the summer like you're talking about, I don't think I ever got to see a completed version. So my visual is all the problems for that you know, for that show. So if by the end of the summer mm -hmm. they had kind of taken out all the kinks and it was much better, uh, I'm going to have to go back and watch that video because I haven't seen the second one that you uploaded. So I've only seen the first one. Well, yeah. So I have two, I have one that's probably the first month and it still has the masks and that one's on main street. And the second one that I, well, then the other one that I uploaded is actually in small world mall. Um, there's, there's so many things they had against it and people were, camping out for hours for this thing right like you're gonna sit you're gonna pay all this money to go to disneyland you're gonna sit on the parade route and wait for light magic but guess what you sat in a place that was between the two floats and you can't see anything mm -hmm. i'd be pissed too yeah you know like they had to do a better job at managing all that and in hindsight sure but like it was it had a lot going against it but in a way, it's, it's kind of nice to have a palate cleanser after something like Electrical Parade. I think it's nice to have something creatively completely different. But tell the fans that ahead of time, you know, and this is a good segue. 20 years later, you have Paint the Night, yeah. which is a, a real successor to Electrical Parade. Um, and when I first saw Paint the Night, I, my first thought was that I waited 20 years to see this and it was worth it. Like, yeah. I love Paint the Night. I do too. I I mean, I haven't really seen any parades outside of, of Disneyland and California Adventure live. I've seen them on YouTube, obviously. Um, but, you know, I've always felt, at least after the debut of Paint the Night, I always thought to myself, yes, this is the successor that, Paint, or, uh, that Main Street Electrical Parade really needed and really deserves. But the more that I think about it, I don't feel that it's the actual successor. I think it's a spiritual successor to Dreamlights, and Dreamlights is the actual successor to the Main Street Electrical Parade. That's true, because they still have the drum and train and yeah. that stuff. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, that 
Dreamlight has so many wonderful things going for it that it brings all of these elements of LED panel technology, the brighter lights, the cha- the color change schemes. Uh, but at mm-hmm. the same time, when you look at the train, there's this opaque pale yellow light that they lit the train to give you that that sense of hey this is where we started but this is what you're getting right it's a callback mm. to MSEP and i just i love that about dreamlights i can't i've always said like and and this is going to surprise some people but i've always said that paint the night is my absolute favorite nighttime parade because i i never saw main street electrical parade as a kid i saw it when it came back to dca for the first time and so I don't wow. hold it as like this precious parade that everybody's like, oh, this is the greatest parade of all time. Not for me. I didn't grow up with it. I don't have that connection. Paint the Night is my nighttime parade. But the more I watch mm-hmm. Dreamlights, damn it, that is my nighttime parade. I need that here in California. Yeah. You know, what's cool about Dreamlights is, you know, Tokyo goes through so many of its floats and like they keep things so fresh that sometimes they have hand-me-downs like... I will gladly take any of the hand-me-down floats from Dreamlights, especially All the genie them. float. I don't know if you've seen the genie float. Oh, oh my god! Everything, dude. Everything They're so good. is the Cheshire gorgeous. Cat that kind of un- unravels. Yeah. You know what? There are some things about Dreamlights I don't like. It, it some things they try to do a new version of Electrical Parade too closely. Like they have like the snails and the whirly bugs, but yeah, for for the ones in Dreamlights, they look like glow worms. I'm like, what are you doing? And as much as I like Drum and Train in in Electrical Parade and then seeing it in Dreamlights, it, I used to drive drum and train, so I really love the look of that float. It's Casey Jr., right? Yeah. It doesn't look like Casey Jr. over there. It looks like one of the glow worms, something from the glow worm world, and I'm like, what is this? But so there's, there's something, but it, it starts with Blue Fairy, so in that way, it is definitely a sequel to Electrical Parade. Yeah. But as far as being a, a Disneyland first, you know, well, a Disneyland first and then... California Adventure, it definitely feels more appropriate for California Adventure. Yeah. Because there's a unit, each unit in Paint the Night has an attraction at DCA. Mm-hmm. So it's almost made for Cal- California Adventure, right? In a perfect world, I would like to have Electrical Parade classic version running at Disneyland and Paint the Night simultaneously running at California Adventure. So you could see both. Like you have Disneyland for the nostalgia and you have Paint the Night at California Adventure for the new stuff. That's that's what I want. Make it happen. Do you think we would ever get to a point where the nostalgic factor of MSCP would be so high that someone would green light recreating the entire parade, but with brand new LED technology so that it's bright, it's vibrant, but you have the same floats, the same structures, just super bright the way that Paint the Night looks? I really hope not. Really? I mean, in theory, yeah, in theory, I guess maybe that'd be cool just to see it. But I do think things have been done. If it's been done already. Um, and I think what is charming about Electrical Parade is its sizing, its Christmas lights. It's it's very mom and pops kind of put together, this little show. And it's it's old. Like, it's really chicken wire and Christmas lights and it's barely hanging on together, right? So the idea of making a new one, like if I was to make a brand new Elliot float, I don't know if I would necessarily do that. I might make it look like it's flying. He's flying rather than like a a float that looks like that. You know, there's, as a creative, it wouldn't be as fun to design something that's been designed already. You know, it's like, 
I, I still have to lean towards how do you make this newer and better? Okay. All right. That's right. I'm not going to say that I'm that easy <laughs> to convince, but you've convinced me. I, I, <laughs> I know how your mind works enough that you've convinced me, especially seeing some of the concept <laughs> art for Light Odyssey, which if you haven't, right. go follow Sam on Twitter. It's pinned on his Twitter account. He's at Cartar Sauce. Check it out. All the links will be in the blog post. For people the still get a kick out of it. You know, it's, not, it's funny. People I talk to a lot on Twitter, they're like, hey, I just saw that. I'm like, it's been pinned for like years. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know even like, and I, I believe that no good idea ever dies. And I don't necessarily think it's ever going to be built, but it just shows there's so much cool potential out there to do something new. And it, it is a bucket list goal to someday design a parade over there. So um, one of these days. We'll and I think happens. you will, my friend. I think one day I hope you so. will. Yeah. I'm waiting for it. How do you think that unit positioning affects the visibility and likability of a parade? So, you know, sometimes the units are so spaced out. And it's one of the things that um, a, a parade really can't control. Because say the park is really crowded on some days. Well, there's crosswalks within the parade route. You know, Town Square has a couple... Main Street has a couple. The Hub has one. Fantasyland. And that's when, like, the guest control and ops manager will decide, hey, we need to keep these these crossovers open for a while just because it's getting too crowded right here. You have to let people flow through because not everyone's sitting watching the parade. Some people are just trying to get past the damn parade, right? So sometimes if, if on a really crowded day you're, you're spacing between units, it's going to be really, really long. And if you're not necessarily right next to the the crosswalk, you might not realize that's the problem. And you could be on Main Street wondering, like, why the hell is this unit so far back? And it's just kind of weird because now you're just sitting, waiting, waiting, waiting. So that's one tricky thing about just the whole idea of parades anyway, is that kind of spacing. Um, a lot of times, too, with, like, when you're, you're mapping out, um, like, you know, you're blocking a whole parade and you're saying, this unit should have six dancers and five characters and these characters are on the float. It, now it's, it, I'm having flashbacks because I helped um, Randy Wojcik, who was a show director on a Hong Kong Disneyland parade when I was still at TDA. And we were mapping out like, okay, where, where would they go? How many dancers can you have here? And then a lot of times they'll come back and go, hey, remember we had eight dancers there? Can we make it four? And it's just like crap cuts, right? Budget cuts. Yeah. Or remember that really cool parade, that unit that we had that we were planning on having here? That whole unit got cut. Oh man! So now you're relooking and trying to figure out where can those performers get moved to? Where does it? Where is it needed? Because sometimes you don't want to have like, because you have your characters in the parade, but then you have dancers in the parade, and you don't want to have just filler. You want to have like all the all the performers there kind of represent something. Whether it's like um, I'm thinking back of the 50th anniversary parade for the aerial unit, you had the pearl dancers, or you had like a flotsam and jetsam puppet. Um, you want to make sure that it's something that's adding something to it. It's not just some guy on stilts for the heck of it. It's like, no, this is either a performer that's playing a puppet that represents a character in the parade or just like it represents water or represents something. Yeah. So say for the Pinocchio unit in the 50th parade, they're representing a bunch of marionettes. So it's that kinetic energy that you have a float. Hopefully there's something moving on the float. It's really cool if there's like an acrobat or something really neat that's on the float that you really can't push down the route. But then you have all these other things moving in front. And I think there's nothing better than seeing a bunch of that coming down Main Street. Yeah. And that's what made it cool for Lion King, too, for that show stop. 
you had Rafiki in the front and a bunch of floats leading all the way back to Simba in the back. And you see everyone in matching unison going down the parade route, doing the circle of life. So if you watched Lion King from like town square, oh my God, that was the best. Yeah, like right from the train station, I think there's a couple videos that I've seen like that. Ah, oh, it's so good. It got me. And I, awesome. and I'm I'm not like a huge Lion King fan, okay? I'm like Gavin is a much bigger Lion King fan than I am, but man, I saw that break and it totally got me. The last day the performers were all crying cuz like they couldn't handle it, you know? And it was interesting too because when Lion King was closing, we were super deep into Hercules rehearsals and Light Magic rehearsals cuz they both both opened the same month in 1997 that we were so busy with getting the two new shows off the ground that we weren't really realizing like, oh my God, we're saying goodbye to Lion King Parade. And that thing only ran for three years. Yeah. And so I just remember I was able to watch that last parade and like, it says you never forget seeing a bunch of gazelles going down the parade route, but they're all bawling. You know, it's like, it's crazy. Uh, it's just, it's just nuts. And, and the amount of signs that people had too, like, People were really into that show and like they're holding, they brought signs and they're holding them up saying thank you, you know, really cool stuff like that. Wow. When did uh, rehearsals start for Mulan? Because that debuted the year right after Hercules, right? Uh, it did. Mulan was 98. So Labor Day 97 was the last day of Light Magic. And then the next week they announced Light Magic is going on hiatus. And next year, it'll be a Mulan parade based on the new movie that's coming out. But rehearsals didn't start probably until late spring. Okay. Late spring in 98. That Mulan parade, um, I, it's so different than some of the other parades for different properties. Because when you think of like the Hercules, when you think of Lion King, uh, even now they're so they're so filled with music from the film. They're, they're filled with all these visuals that help you kind of recreate the film in your head in many ways to kind of create that connection. But the Mulan parade didn't do that. The Mulan parade took a totally different direction and it felt like if you, if that happened completely at night in the darkness of Main Street, you would think that you were in like Chinatown or not at Disneyland watching this parade. Like the music was perfect. There wasn't lyrics with the exception. It of was like really Musha authentic. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, you know, what's, what's funny about that is on my videotapes of the Mulan parade, I actually recorded opening night and I interviewed Jean-Luc, who was the director of the Mulan parade. And Everything that you just said is what he was saying. He's like, he wanted to bring China to Disneyland. And he was actually a show director from Disneyland Paris. So that's one of the reasons it had such a different feel. This guy came from the Paris Opera House. Like he did a lot of different kind of like really upscale type things. So when we brought him on to do the Mulan Parade, um, he went at it at a completely different angle that I, I think if we, if Disneyland tried to create the Mulan Parade, it would have felt more like Hercules. Yeah. It would have been like totally different, but this parade had a real serious tone and not everyone loved it. You know, it was kind of, you could have said it, maybe parts of it were a little boring, but it was just a serious parade. It was a procession, right? Because yeah. he was thinking about, this is about a girl going to war <laughs> who might be killed if they find out she's a girl. 
So it, it's not like zero to hero. You know, it's yeah. none of it's none of that. It's it's a serious film, and um, and the parade actually had that tone too. And they actually hired an acrobat troupe from China that lived, I, well, I believe, at the same place that the, the All American College Band stayed at. So it was an expensive parade to run because they had an entire Chinese acrobat group that blew people away. Like people did not expect to see that stuff walking down the yeah. route. And they were they were fun and because um, we would be in between parades with them and they set up a ping pong table and they were like Forrest <laughs> Gump style ping pong standing 20 feet away from it that oh, we wow. would actually try to play with them. And none of us, you know, we all said ni hao to them. That's the only thing we knew to talk to about. But they were so friendly and so cool and so happy to be there that we, they all the float drivers would just play ping pong with those guys. So it was, it was a lot of fun working there for that. Yeah. And we would play Foursquare backstage, and they would want to come and play Foursquare with us. We, there's some downtime in between parades that were a lot of fun. That's cool. Um, <laughs> outside of technical issues, what do you think are some of the things that can ruin a parade or at least make it less desirable for people? Well, the music. Um, I mentioned Parade of the Stars, which was the... 45th anniversary parade from 2000 mm -hmm. when that parade first opened ironically enough it was also designed by Jean-Luc um, that's the guy that did Mulan he um, had and the, the, the movie was promoting Fantasia 2000 at the time and the main number was that Donald Duck Noah's Ark thing from, Fanta, from mm -hmm. Fantasia 2000 mm -hmm. and the song for that was Pomp and Circumstance which Americans know as the graduation song so here's a parade, super elegant, almost hoity-toity, snobby, upscale, but the music was graduation, and it was cringeworthy. People, you heard people in the audience just go, "WTF? What is going on? What is this?" Yeah. And like the music, so wrong, and it was like a big culture shock that every time there was a rehearsal we're like we're not really going to do this are we like this is embarrassing like we can't do this and they did the parade and they did that music you know after like a couple of weeks and we were just like and people would laugh like the guests were laughing and here's like these swan dancers doing ballet kind of like hearing people laugh like oh graduation graduation we're like yeah we know it's it's wrong so they eventually um two weeks into it i think announced hey we're going to change the music out and do something more appropriate. And then that was just a medley of Disney songs, yeah. which compared to other parades, still kind of boring because it was just an instrumental of like every, every Disney song ever just mixed into this one three minute loop that um, didn't really match now the hoity toity artsy fartsiness of all those floats. Yeah. So music could definitely ruin a float if it's not, I would say upbeat, fun catchy memorable like you want to walk away kind of humming it hercules was really good at that yeah like, having like the muses up on that float singing hercules stuff like you're gonna walk away and that's gonna be stuck in your head all day and that's fine with me but do you want to walk do you want to hear the graduation song at disneyland it's just dreadful yeah you're definitely right about the music i mean think of what an earworm sensational is oh, i even got a, so a, a little bit of that music while i was in the park and for the rest of the day i couldn't stop whistling it or you know humming it to myself um, yeah and, and sensational had all those live musicians too and i would say yeah. like the more live musicians you could have in a parade the better you know, a lot of times old Christmas parades always had live musicians, like for the Jungle Book unit or like the Dickens Carolers unit. They'd have like live elements to it. 
which a lot of times in the newer parades, it's unheard of, right? But Soundational actually brought back, since it was about, you know, music and instruments and a lot of the floats were based off oversized instruments. Then you had Mickey playing the drums on the opening float. You know, there was really cool stuff like that. Yeah. Do you, um, you know, going back a little bit to the unit positioning, do you think that it matters where you put certain characters? Because I feel like you you don't want to give everything away at the beginning, right? Especially if you want people to stay and watch it. You need a an important character at the beginning and you need an important character at the end. Like, can you imagine if you just had everyone important at the very front leading it off and then we, what are you going to end with? Fox and the Hound? Like, you can't, like, you got to have someone that's, really important at the end so it's almost like all right we'll have the fab five minus mickey in the front and then make sure mickey's in the back yeah that's something that paint the night did really well but um so for sensational well the fab five including mickey's in the front you need something really important in the back so what do they do for sensational poppins like yeah that is a killer and that's a fantastic um and It, oh, the float was beautiful, and that that's a music that you're going to leave a parade with stuck in your yeah. head, right? Um, and knowing how much or how important Mary Poppins was to Walt, like there's a, a anniversary special I talked about in depth recently on uh, Coast to Coast with Jeff, and we were talking about how in the 10th anniversary special, um, Walt actually says, like, from here on out, Every celebration at Disneyland will not be complete without Mary Poppins. Oh, so here's wow. Walt saying how important it is. And for, so it's kind of cool that they, they remember that. Like if there's a big celebration, there's something Poppins there. Yeah. Um, and then that's what's nice about Sensational is there's a whole Poppins float to end it with. So it has to be something like special. You can't just end it with, not, with Winnie the Pooh or something random. Yeah. Yeah, I realize that there's a little bit of a trend of where you put certain units because you always see the princesses in at the beginning of the final third of the parade usually. And that's, <laughs> you know, like there's always like key points. Well, that's the thing. It's a formula, right? Yeah. And once once it starts feeling too formula, they really got to shake it up. Yeah. Like it, nothing should be expected. You shouldn't be like, oh, here come the princesses. They're all grouped. But there's always like new ways of grouping things. And if it could be something interesting, I'm all for it. Um, one thing that I thought was really cool that, that I always kind of think, if I'm designing in my head, nothing for real, but like if I'm thinking like this would be a really cool show or this is how you group things, I think it's neat to think about like what's an interesting way that hasn't been done yet to group units. And it could be something like, well, not this, but like the, 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 um, the World of Disney Store in Florida, and I think... And Anaheim did it too, but there's different rooms for each thing. Like there might be one room with all these Disney birds or all these Disney cats. You don't really think about Disney characters from different movies, but if you think about it, like, oh yeah, they're all the same animal. It's kind of interesting. So you just kind of got to do a little research, do some homework and find out what's, a, what's an interesting way to group this stuff. Um, but more importantly than that is my goal, if I ever got to design a parade for Disney, I would try to spend as much money, not just on the floats or anything else, but introduce characters that we've never seen before. Similar to like the long lost friends kind of concept yeah. where like, hey, you haven't, you haven't seen Robin Hood and, and, little, and little John since you were a kid. We, we still have them. Let's do this fun thing and kind of show them. Uh, let's meet up with them. I think it'd be really cool to think about characters that you've never met. How do you introduce them into the parade? Yeah. How do you see a character that you've seen a, a lot but now you've never seen them like this. So, for example, if you had a Pinocchio unit, 
I just want to see a Pinocchio character with the donkey ears and a donkey tail. Mm. We've never seen that. You know, that'd be kind of cool. Every once in a while, they'll kind of do something like that, where like for last year's Halloween parade, they had the Cheshire Cat in the parade. That's cool. You know, we've never seen him. Um, you know, what's his name? Gurgi from the Black Cauldron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Black Cauldron wasn't a huge hit, but I would love to see Gurgi. You know, I think it, that's the kind of stuff that I think people would, especially with Diz Twitter, they'd be like, you will not believe this. Freaking Gurgi is in this parade. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then like that, that, that all of a sudden makes it a destination. And you just had the biggest smile on your face because just thinking about it. Yeah. Imagine if you got to see him. Well, because like you're right. If it's something that you're not used to seeing all the time, and especially if the film is, has some kind of cult following to it, you feel connected and you feel represented, right? It's all about representation and how you feel you fit into the park. Just that's Mm -hmm. why Disney bounding and these Dapper Day things have become such a big thing in the last, you know, eight or nine years, whatever it's been, because people can go in and dress up how they feel represented in the park without being necessarily a Disney princess or a prince, you know? And it's the same with these characters that you're talking about inside of a parade. Totally. So, you know, one thing that I've learned from Bob Gurr is don't (laughs) work with hypotheticals. But I think there's a little bit of an exercise that you can that you can partake in to try to learn from mistakes from the past. Right. And Mm -hmm. if you play that hypothetical or if you like we do armchair imagineering every chance that we get and we try to reform things, we take things down and we retheme them. If there was three parades that you would consider these were not great and you could say these are one or two things i would do to these parades to make them better have you ever thought about that before are there any that you could think of off the top of your head i know i'm putting you on the spot with these but is that something that like an exercise you've taken you know the first thing that comes to mind is the first thing that comes to mind is eureka um so i opened up the first parade at california adventure which was interesting enough on being the first parade to open up a park. Um, usually when we rehearse a brand new parade, it's in the middle of the night. So with Eureka, we were able to rehearse like at noon in the daytime. Oh, wow. When the park wasn't open yet. And I remember being the, like with a team of people, like we were finally able to take the brand new floats on route, but the, the parade route was still covered in like carpet. So I directed my team to unroll carpet so the floats could go down and it was like christmas morning unwrapping a present like a brand new park brand new floats actually hercules drive units right being repurposed (laughs) um but here's like this beautiful brand new poured cement and we're driving floats on it for the first time so like you're gonna feel connected and pretty proud of this right but you know obviously as we all know how it was when dca opened it wasn't well received it it took 1.7 billion dollars a few years later to fix it. And I, I do believe in 2012, they fixed it. I think it's amazing. Ever since Buena Vista Street and Cars Land and World of Color and Guardians especially now and coming soon Avengers Campus. Like DCA is definitely worthy of being next to Disneyland. But back in 2001, it wasn't that. And the park had such a bad rap. People weren't really liking the theme. I always saw California Adventure as like a welcome center to California. Way more than oh, we want you to see our Paradise Pier instead of going to the beach or, or go to Grizzly Peak instead of going to the mountains. I think that was a talking point that really got out of hand. I don't think that's really what they expected. I think someone might have been trying to be funny in a meeting or in an interview and that kind of like thought 
that's what they're actually trying to do. It's not. I, I don't think the theme was wrong. I think it was poorly executed and there's no money. And that's what we got, right? We got a place with a lot of shops and a lot of restaurants and off-the-shelf rides. Yeah. But with Eureka, it when people were leaving the park, it was the third most popular thing in the park. People loved screaming. Well, first they loved Soren, then they loved screaming, and then they loved the parade. Like they loved Eureka. Those were the three top things. And we knew the parade was good. It was it was something that could have never been done at Dis- at Disneyland. And for me, everything great about DCA is stuff that you could never really pull off at Disneyland, right? And I think that's why some things are a hit. And it didn't need characters. It, it, was, it was cool without it. And so for 2001 and 2002, they ran the parade without characters. But come 2003, they said, you know what? Screw it. Let's put characters in it. So you had three caballeros planned to go in the Fiesta unit. You had Mulan and Mushu in the Chinatown unit. You, you had appropriate characters in each unit. And it, it, all of a sudden, it felt like a Disney parade now. And it was, it was pretty cool and still elevated. Still something that you really wouldn't do at Disneyland, but still appropriate for DCA and something cool. Well, right when I think people got cast as those characters and rehearsals were about to start, they said, you know what? Eureka's canceled. It's not coming back. We're going to do X Games instead. So that was like, oh, we're finally going to get that, get Eureka to be from here to here, I thought. And it got canceled for X Games instead, which I, I worked that summer as X Games and had a blast. But... Um, we were always disappointed that we never got to see what it would have been like to have the three caballeros in the Fiesta unit for DCA. There's stuff, there's stuff like that that would have been really cool, I think. Yeah. That, uh, that parade had some interesting uh, connections to California, like the Watts Towers in the LA unit. Uh, that was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. The, the BMX bikers. The drummers. The live music. Yeah. 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 It had, it had some stunt BMXers yeah, on it. that was pretty crazy. Um, it, had a, it had a really cool aerialist on the um, Chinatown float. Eureka was awesome. Yeah. Really, really. And I, I would put that right behind Lion King as my favorite parades. I would say Lion King, then Eureka. But then Paint the Night came along, and I'm like, yep, Paint the Night's my favorite. So that was actually going to be the last thing I wanted to talk about. Like, honestly, I could talk to you for hours on this, but uh, it's I close to midnight, and I know we both have dishes to do. <laughs> How sad are we? I know, right? It's total dad stuff. But, I mean, you know, it's getting late. we got to get up early for work. So I want to wrap this conversation up. Uh, and then, you know, we'll have you on another time and we'll keep talking about this. But uh, you mentioned just a few of them. Top five Disney parades. What would you say your top five are? I would say I, I'm still going to say Lion King is still the best. Then I'm going to go Paint the Night. Um, let's see. Then Eureka. Then I'm going to go Hercules. Out of left field because Herc was just so good, and I mean it was such a an upbeat kind of hyper active, just fun, unexpected show that was just just really great. And then I think I might go Sensational after that. Nice. Now, I as a follow up, would you say that they are your favorite because they were your favorite to work, or because of the parades and the music in general? Good question. You know, I, I never got the chance. I was already in the art department when Sensational came out, so I didn't work that one at all. But so that's still one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, I think even though I love working light magic, I, I couldn't include it in this list because even though it's so fun to work, it's just, that's more about the people and like, you know, you have the performers, the float drivers, you have the costumers, you have the techs. It's like a really good group of people that spend a lot of time together. You know, they, they played hard and then they 
and they partied hard yeah afterwards because there's a lot of fun parties back in those days too that's yeah that's that's awesome yeah i mean i don't have this like legacy of parades to look back on in my mental library you know i've always talked to you <laughs> to you and others about how i didn't really go to disneyland when i was younger i didn't start going until i was much older and so my top five from like least to best um ironically i would say it's kind of a tie between the Festival of Fantasy Parade at Walt Disney World, which I've only seen on YouTube, and a Christmas Fantasy here at Disneyland. Only because really? Christmas Fantasy, I think, was the first parade I ever saw with my wife going to Disneyland. And that like that that's See? become such a huge, like a special thing to me, right? And then I would put Sensational uh, above that. I would put Frightfully Fun Parade above that. Only because it's so short but they fit so much and so many vibrant floats and it's so dynamic for what it is that i just absolutely adore the frightfully fun parade is that the one at dca for halloween uh at disneyland for halloween that's the only place yeah, i okay. ever saw that one okay but yeah it had the haunted mansion okay. and it had like the mayor from halloween town and the headless horseman mm -hmm. you know coming up at the beginning and everything so it was fantastic i love that parade yeah that was a good one um Plus it's Halloween. Plus it's Halloween, yeah. I mean, and Halloween's not even yeah, my favorite holiday. That. Christmas is, I'm bigger on Christmas than I am on Halloween, but, you know. Uh, and then above that, in the number two position, again, surprise a lot of people, I'm putting Paint the Night. And the only reason I'm putting it at number two is because I'm, I adore Dreamlights, which is my number one spot. So that that's kind of like mm -hmm. my progression. And again, it's very Disney and Disneyland proper heavy. Because, I mean, that's kind of all I've mm -hmm. seen, at least in person. That's what I've connected with. You know what? Um, Dreamlights is phenomenal. I got to see it in 2005 and 2006 in person in Tokyo. It's, it's everything that you expect it to be. It's, it's really that great. The problem is when you go back to Disneyland, you're just like, what is this? Like, you're, you're just kind of just deflated. Because they spend, like, way more on that entertainment than they do here. Yeah. It just, it just hurts. Like, you're going to go ride Winnie the Pooh in Tokyo, and then you're going to go ride Winnie the Pooh here. You're just going to get pissed off. Yeah. Right? It's the same thing with the parades. You're just like, I can't believe this exists out there. But that, that's how I know how cool Paint the Night is, because you're like, Paint the Night is finally something that feels Tokyo-level good. And that's why um, Cars Land was so good. I'm like, Cars Land is Tokyo-quality good. That's Disney Sea-quality stuff we're looking at. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I hear you. Uh, if ever there was a parade that I think could be refreshed uh, and new modules put in uh, is Paint the Night. I mean, just the technology of being able to show something on a screen and kind of, you know, bringing new life. Uh, you know, look what they did with the Incredibles float. You know, it wasn't a part of the original one. And then they added right. the Incredibles and it added a whole new dynamic element to it. Yeah, that, the Incredibles float was amazing. And that's what makes me think we're going to see it again someday. They're, they're not going to spend that kind of money on, on a new, you know, on a parade and add units to it. And just, they're just going to wait for the right time, I think, to, to hopefully bring it back. Um, but what's, what I think is cool about Paint the Night, and we have all these different properties, like all these, you know, Star Wars, Marvel. I, I wonder if they'd ever introduce a Star Wars float or a Marvel <sighs> float into one of these Man, things. And I wonder how fantastic. that would work, you know? That'd be great. Mind-blowing. We, when we uh, armchair imagineered Galaxy's Edge... I think people would trip out. Oh, I think so, too. I mean, especially if you use the same... Um uh, like the same patterns where you black out the float and then you only light up like a TIE fighter and all of a sudden you see a TIE fighter flying down DCA. Like, how cool would that be? Oh, man. Right? 
Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's no different than having all the Pixar stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just another corporate entity that the company owns, so why wouldn't you? And I was thinking, like, what music would you do for for that? Like, I'm just picturing some badass Iron Man float with, like, ACDC rocking. I mean, there's so much you could do. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Uh, there's Too fun. Uh, there's so much that we could talk about, so... Ah, uh, yeah, man. This hour just flew by again. I'm telling you, I always have fun talking to you. So I appreciate you Damn coming dishes. on. I know, Any, right? Anytime, man. I know, man. Plus, it's so late. But, you know, I'm on dad time now. So I have to make sure that I can get up on time to help the little kids with school and stuff since uh, we're doing the whole same here. school from home thing. All right, dude. Tell everybody where they can find you online, how they can connect with you. And if somebody needs a parade, how they can contract you for your services. <laughs> uh, easy. I'm always on Twitter at Cartar Sauce. Um, I'm, I'm usually on Instagram too. Same handle, Cartar Sauce. And then um, samcarterart.com is my kind of portfolio website. Talk about that kind of like theme park design and experience design type of stuff that I do. Um, but yeah, yeah, please hit me up. Right on, man. Well, again, thank you for coming on the podcast this week. It was definitely fun talking to you again. Uh, if you want to connect with Sam, all those links are going to be in the blog post for this episode. Just head over to podcateers.com slash 323. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure as always. So man. that's it, everyone. That's going to end this episode. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone.